Welcome to a reading of the Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide for April, May and June 2012 titled Major Lessons from Minor Prophets It's brought to you by the Sabbath School Department Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired and through the services of Adventist Media Network Lesson 4, April 20-26 Lord of All Nations, Amos Sabbath afternoon, April 20 Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to open your word in a new book today. It's in your word, it's the book of Amos. And as we do, we know that you are glorified there, and that the story of salvation is there, and that there is hope for each of us in this little tiny book. As we study it this week, we pray that your Holy Spirit will guide us and bless us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Our memory text this week is Amos chapter 3, verse 8. A lion has roared. Who will fear? The Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? Let's read that again, Amos 3, 8. A lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? Our key thought for this week is, Acts of inhumanity are signs against God and will be judged accordingly. A lion in scripture often represents the king of the animal world. His appearance evokes irresistible strength and majesty, as well as ferocity and destructive power. Even when not actively hunting, the lion can be heard, its roar audible for miles. Amos, a shepherd, was sent to the Israelites to warn them that he had heard a lion roar, and the lion was none other than their Lord. Moved by the Holy Spirit, the prophet Amos compared God's way of speaking to the nations, as well as to his special people, with the roaring of a lion. Amos was called to prophesy to the nations who committed crimes against humanity. He also was sent to a society where a privileged and religious people lived in peace and prosperity. Yet this same people oppressed the poor and allowed for dishonest business and bribery in court. This week we will listen to what the Lord has to say about these despicable actions. Sunday, April 21. Crimes Against Humanity. Question. Read Amos chapter 1 and chapter 2. Why does the Lord warn that punishment is coming? Beginning at verse 1. The words of Amos, who was among the sheep breeders of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake, and he said, The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem, the pastures of the shepherds mourn, and the top of Carmel withers. Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Damascus, and for four, I will not turn away its punishment, because they have threshed Gilead with implements of iron. But I will send a fire into the house of Hazael, which shall devour the palaces of Ben-Hadad, 
I will also break the gate-bar of Damascus, and cut off the inhabitant from the valley of Avin, and the one who holds the scepter from Beth-Eden. The people of Syria shall go captive to Kir, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Gaza, and for four, I will not turn away its punishment, because they took captive the whole captivity to deliver them up to Edom. But... I will send a fire upon the wall of Gaza, which shall devour its palaces. I will cut off the inhabitant from Ashdod, and the one who holds the scepter from Ashkelon. I will turn my hand against Ekron, and the remnant of the Philistines shall perish, says the Lord God. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Tyre, and for four, I will not turn away its punishment, because they delivered up the whole captivity of Edom and did not remember the covenant of brotherhood. But I will send a fire upon the wall of Tyre, which shall devour its palaces. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Edom, and for four, I will not turn away its punishment, because he pursued his brother with the sword, and cast off all pity. His anger tore perpetually, and he kept his wrath forever. But I will send a fire upon Teman, which shall devour the palaces of Bozrah, Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of the people of Ammon, and for four, I will not turn away its punishment, because they ripped open the women with child in Gilead, that they might enlarge their territory. But I will kindle a fire in the wall of Rabbah, and it shall devour its palaces amid shouting in the day of battle, and a tempest in the day of the whirlwind. Their king shall go into captivity. He and his princes together, says the Lord. Chapter 2 Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Moab, and for four, I will not turn away its punishment, because he burned the bones of the king of Edom to lime. But I will send a fire upon Moab, and it shall devour the palaces of Kerioth. Moab shall die with tumult, with shouting and trumpet sound. And I will cut off the judge from its midst, and slay all its princes with him, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Judah, and for four, I will not turn away its punishment, because they have despised the law of the Lord, and have not kept his commandments. Their lies lead them astray, lies which their fathers followed. But I will send a fire upon Judah, and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Israel, and for four, I will not turn away its punishment, because they sell the righteous for silver, and the poor for a pair of sandals. They pant after the dust of the earth, which is on the head of the poor, and pervert the way of the humble. A man and his father go into the same girl, to defile my holy name. They lie down by every altar on clothes taken in pledge, and drink the wine of the condemned in the house of their God. Yet, it was I who destroyed the Amorot before them, whose height was like the height of the cedars, and he was as strong as the oaks. Yet I destroyed his fruit above and his roots beneath. Also, it was I who brought you up from the land of Egypt and led you forty years through the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorite. I raised up some of your sons as prophets and some of your young men as Nazarites. Is it not so, O you children of Israel, says the Lord? 
But she gave the Nazarites wine to drink, and commanded the prophets, saying, Do not prophesy. Behold, I am weighed down by you, as a cart full of sheaves is weighed down. Therefore flight shall perish from the swift. The strong shall not strengthen his power, nor shall the mighty deliver himself. He shall not stand who handles the bow. The swift of foot shall not escape, nor shall he who rides a horse deliver himself. The most courageous men of might shall flee naked in that day, says the Lord. The first two chapters in Amos's book contain seven prophecies against neighbouring nations, followed by a prophecy against Israel. The foreign nations are not judged because they are Israel's enemies, but because of their violations of universal human principles. Two things stand out in Amos's condemnation, the absence of loyalty and the absence of pity. For instance, Tyre was a leading merchant city located on the Mediterranean coast north of Israel. Because of its almost impregnable island fortress, the city boasted of its security. Moreover, the leaders of Tyre secured peace treaties with several surrounding nations, such as the Philistines. The city was allied with Israel by a treaty of brotherhood during the reigns of David and Solomon, as recorded in 1 Kings chapter 5, and even of King Ahab in 1 Kings chapter 16. It is not surprising to read in 1 Kings 9.13 that Hiram, the king of Tyre, called Solomon my brother. Yet the people of Tyre had violated the covenant of brothers. Tyre was not condemned for taking away the captives, but for handing them over to Israel's enemies, the Edomites. Thus the people of Tyre were responsible for the cruelties that these captives suffered at the hands of their enemies. From God's perspective, the person who assists and supports a crime is as guilty as the person who commits it. Because God is all-sovereign, he holds the destiny of all the world in his hands. He has purposes and concerns that reach far beyond Israel's borders. The God of Israel is the Lord of all nations. All human history is his concern. He is the Creator God, who gives life to all, and all are accountable to him. So to finish the day, who among us does not bristle in pain at the incredible injustice we see? Were there no God, what hope would we have of justice ever being done? What does the promise found throughout the Bible of God bringing justice and judgment to the world mean to you? How can we learn to cling to that promise amid all the injustice that we see now? Monday, April 22, Justice for the Oppressed God's universal judgment is one of the central teachings found in Amos. In the beginning of his book, the prophet announces God's judgment on several of Israel's neighbours because of their crimes against humanity. Then, however, Amos boldly declares that God also will judge Israel. The anger of the Lord is directed not only at the nations but also at the people he has chosen. The people of Judah have rejected the word of the Lord and have not kept his instructions. 
At the same time, Amos dealt with Israel much more extensively than even Judah because she had broken God's covenant and committed so many sins. Israel's economic prosperity and political stability led to spiritual decay. This spiritual decay displayed itself in social injustice. In Israel, the rich exploited the poor and the powerful exploited the weak. The rich cared only for themselves and their personal gain, even when it came at the expense and suffering of the poor. Not much has changed in a few thousand years, has it? In his preaching, Amos taught that there is a living God who cares about how we treat others. Justice is more than an idea or a norm. Justice is a divine concern. The prophet warned that Israel's stone houses, ivory inlaid furniture, top quality food and drink, as well as the best body lotions, all would be destroyed. Question. Read Isaiah chapter 58. In what ways does this chapter capture aspects of present truth? In what ways, though, is our message to the world much more than this? Beginning at verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 58. Cry aloud. Spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast you find pleasure, and exploit all your labourers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate, and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day, to make your voice heard on high? Is it a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush, and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast? and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rearguard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually, and satisfy your soul in drought, and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach." the restorer of streets to dwell in. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honourable, and shall honour him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, 
Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth, and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. The Bible teaches clearly that social justice should be a natural product of the gospel. As the Holy Spirit makes us more like Jesus, we learn to share God's concerns. The books of Moses insist on the fair treatment of foreigners, widows, and orphans. We can read about that in Exodus chapter 22, verses 21 to 24. You shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If you afflict them in any way, and they cry at all to me, I will surely hear their cry. And my wrath will become hot, and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives shall be widows, and your children fatherless. The prophets speak of God's concern about the just and compassionate treatment of less privileged people. We read about that in Isaiah 58, verses 6 and 7 just now. The psalmist calls the God who lives in his holy dwelling a father of the fatherless, a defender of the widows. Christ shows great concern for those who are rejected by society in Mark chapter 7, verses 24 to 30. From there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and wanted no one to know it. But he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, Let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For this saying, Go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out, and her daughter lying on the bed. And also, in John chapter 4, verses 7 to 26, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband, and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. 
Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. The Lord's brother James calls on us to put our faith into action and help the needy. And we read about that in James chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. No follower of Christ can do anything less and really be a follower of Christ. Tuesday, April 23, The Peril of Privilege Amos's prophetic message was not intended to be restricted to the historical situation in Israel, but to expand the scope of the message beyond Israel and Judah. In the Old Testament, Israel had a unique but not exclusive claim on God. Read Amos chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities. The Hebrew word yada, to know, which is used in verse 2, bears a special sense of intimacy. In Jeremiah 1.5, for example, God says that he knew the prophet and set him apart even before his birth. Such was the case with Israel. 
It was not just another nation among nations. Rather, God set it apart for a sacred divine purpose. They stood in special relationship with him. God himself had chosen Israel and brought it out of slavery to freedom. The exodus from Egypt was the single most important event in the beginning of Israel's history as a nation. It set the stage for God's acts of redemption and the conquest of the land of Canaan. But Israel's strength and prosperity led to pride and complacency in regard to its privileged status as the Lord's chosen people. Question. Read Christ's statement from Luke 12:47 and 48. In what ways can we understand the principle he taught there? When great privileges in life are abused, they will be replaced by great penalties. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself to do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. For every one to whom much is given, from him much will be required, and to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. Under divine inspiration, the prophet warns that because the people of Israel are the Lord's elect, they particularly will be held accountable for their actions. The Lord is saying that Israel's unique relationship with God carries obligations, and punishment will result if those obligations are not fulfilled. In other words, Israel, as God's chosen people, is all the more liable to his judgments because the privilege entails responsibility. Thus, Israel's election was not just to privilege status. It was called to be witnesses to the world about the Lord who had so blessed them. Ellen White writes in Christ's Object Lesson, page 317, The professed churches of Christ in this generation are exalted to the highest privileges. The Lord has been revealed to us in ever-increasing light. Our privileges are far greater than were the privileges of God's ancient people. Think about all that we've been given as Seventh-day Adventists. Why should the responsibilities that come with these privileges make us tremble? Do they? Or have we simply gotten used to them? Have we even become complacent about all that we have been given? If so, how can we change? Wednesday, April 24, Israel's Rendezvous with God Amos 4.12 reads, Prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Chapter 4 of Amos begins with the description of Israel's sins, and it ends with the announcement of the Day of Reckoning. God makes his people especially accountable for the ways in which they live and treat others. Amos has listed a series of natural disasters, any one of which should have been enough to turn the nation to God. The list is composed of seven disasters, the full measure of punishments for the breaking of God's covenant in accordance with the words of Moses from Leviticus chapter 26. 
Some of the disasters remind one of the plagues God sent against Egypt, while the description of the last calamity explicitly mentions the total destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Let's read Amos chapter 4. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan, who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to your husbands, Bring wine, let us drink. The Lord God has sworn by his holiness. Behold, the day shall come upon you, when he will take you away with fishhooks, and your posterity with fishhooks. You will go out through broken walls, each one straight ahead of her, and you will be cast into Harmon, says the Lord. Come to Bethel, and transgress at Gilgal, multiply transgression. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven, proclaim and announce the freewill offerings. For this you love, you children of Israel, says the Lord God. Also I gave you cleanness of teeth in all your cities, and lack of bread in all your places. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. I also withheld rain from you, when there was still three months to the harvest. I made it rain on one city, I withheld rain from another city. One part was rained upon, and where it did not rain, the part withered. So two or three cities wandered to another city to drink water. But they were not satisfied. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. I blasted you with blight and mildew, when your gardens increased, your vineyards, your fig trees, and your olive trees, the locusts devoured them. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. I sent among you a plague after the manner of Egypt. Your young men I killed with a sword, along with your captive horses. I made the stench of your camps come up into your nostrils. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. I overthrew some of you, as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were like a firebrand plucked from the burning. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. Therefore thus will I do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. For behold, he who forms mountains and creates the wind, who declares to man what his thought is, and makes the morning darkness who treads the high places of the earth. The Lord God of hosts is his name. Question. According to Solomon's prayer at the dedication of the temple, what should disasters normally lead people to do? 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 37 to 40. When there is famine in the land, pestilence, or blight, or mildew, locusts, or grasshoppers, when their enemy besieges them in the land of their cities, whatever plague, or whatever sickness there is, whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone, or by all your people Israel, when each one knows the plague of his own heart, and spreads out his hands towards this temple, then here in heaven your dwelling place and forgive, and act, and give to everyone according to all his ways, whose heart you know, for you alone know the hearts of all the sons of men, that they may fear you all the days that they live in the land which you gave to our fathers. The people of Israel did not behave like normal people any more, and God found it impossible to get their attention. 
Moreover, God's judgments had resulted in the hardening of the people's hearts. Because the people failed to return to the Lord, Amos presented one last chance for repentance. The final judgment is impending, but Amos does not specify what the judgment would be. The haunting uncertainty in Amos's words makes the threat of judgment even more ominous. Israel has failed to seek God, so God goes out to meet Israel. If punishment fails, will an encounter with God save Israel? Amos 4.12 begins with the words, Thus will I do to you, which echoed the traditional oath formula. This solemn statement calls for a response from Israel to prepare to meet its God, as it did prior to God's appearance at Sinai, in Exodus chapter 19, verses 11 and 15. And let them be ready for the third day, for on the third day the Lord will come down from Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. So to finish today, read carefully Amos chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, thus will I do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. For behold, he who forms the mountains and creates the wind, who declares to man what his thought is, and makes the morning darkness, who treads the high places of the earth, the Lord God of hosts is his name. If suddenly you were to hear the warning, Prepare to meet your God, O, put your own name there, what would be your response? What is your only hope? Well, just in case you can't think of it, we're referred to Romans chapter 3, verses 19 to 28. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed, to demonstrate that at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Thursday, April 25, The Pride That Leads to a Fall Question. Read the book of Obadiah. 
What important moral and spiritual truths can we take away from this book? Beginning at verse 1. The vision of Obadiah, thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent among the nations, saying, Arise, and let us rise up against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be greatly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who dwell in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high. You who say in your heart, Who will bring me down to the ground? Though you ascend as high as the eagle, and though you set your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, says the Lord. If thieves had come to you, if robbers by night, oh, how you will be cut off! Would they not have stolen till they had enough? If grape-gatherers had come to you, would they not have left some gleanings? Oh, how Esau shall be searched out! How his hidden treasures shall be sought after! All the men in your confederacy shall force you to the border. The men at peace with you shall deceive you and prevail against you. Those who eat your bread shall lay a trap for you. No one is aware of it. Will I not in that day, says the Lord, even destroy the wise men from Edom, and understanding from the mountains of Esau? Then your mighty men, O Teman, shall be dismayed, to the end that every one from the mountains of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. For violence against your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. In the day that you stood on the other side, in the day that strangers carried captive his forces, when foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, even you were as one of them. But you should not have gazed on the day of your brother in the day of his captivity. Nor should you have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction. Nor should you have spoken proudly in the day of distress. You should not have entered the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Indeed, you should not have gazed on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. You should not have stood at the crossroads to cut off those among them who escaped, nor should you have delivered up those among them who remained in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord upon all the nations is near. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your reprisal shall return upon your own head. For as you drank on my holy mountain, so shall all the nations drink continually. Yes, they shall drink and swallow, and they shall be as though they had never been. But on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame. But the house of Esau shall be stubble. They shall kindle them and devour them, and no survivor shall remain on the house of Esau. For the Lord has spoken. The south shall possess the mountains of Esau, and the lowlands shall possess Philistia. They shall possess the fields of Ephraim, and the fields of Samaria. Benjamin shall possess Gilead, and the captives of this host of the children of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Zarephath. The captives of Jerusalem, who are in Separad, shall possess the cities of the south. Then saviors shall come to Mount Zion, to judge the mountains of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's.
Obadiah is the shortest book in the Old Testament, and it reports on the prophetic vision of God's judgment upon the land of Edom. The message of the book focuses on three issues. Edom's arrogance in verses 1 to 4, Edom's coming humiliation in verses 5 to 9, and Edom's violence against Judah in verses 10 to 14. The Edomites were the descendants of Jacob's brother Esau. The hostility between the Israelites and the Edomites goes back to the family feud between the twin brothers, who later became the fathers of the two nations. Yet, according to Genesis 33, the two brothers were later reconciled. Thus, the Israelites were commanded by God not to, as it says in Deuteronomy 23.7, abhor an Edomite, for he is your brother. In spite of this, the hostilities between the two nations continued for centuries. When Babylon destroyed Jerusalem and took its citizens into captivity, the Edomites not only rejoiced, but they even preyed on the fleeing Israelites and helped to plunder Jerusalem. Psalm 137 verse 7 reads, Remember, O Lord, against the sons of Edom, the day of Jerusalem, who said, Raise it, raise it, to its very foundation. For this reason, the prophet Obadiah warned that Edom would be judged by its own standard. As you have done, it shall be done to you, verse 15 of Obadiah. The Edomites did not behave as brothers towards the people of Judah in their worst hour, but rather joined the enemy forces. In the Lamentations chapter 4, verses 21 and 22 tell us, Rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Edom, you who dwell in the land of Uz. The cup shall also pass over to you, and you shall become drunk and make yourself naked. The punishment of your iniquity is accomplished, O daughter of Zion. He will no longer send you into captivity. He will punish your iniquity, O daughter of Edom. He will uncover your sins. The region that was occupied by Edom is located southeast of the Dead Sea. It is a mountainous land filled with high mountain peaks, sharp crags, caves, and clefts in which armies could hide. A number of Edomite cities were located in these nearly inaccessible sites. Silla, also known as Petra, was Edom's capital city. The nation developed an arrogance, a confidence summed up in the question, Who will bring me down to the ground? Obadiah verse 3. God holds responsible those who take advantage of others in their time of distress. Obadiah warned the proud people of Edom that God would bring humiliation upon their heads. There is no place to escape from the Lord. Amos 9, verses 2 and 3 tells us that. And that reads, Though they dig into hell, from there my hand shall take them. Though they climb up to heaven, from there I will bring them down. And though they hide themselves on top of Carmel, from there I will search and take them. Though they hide from my sight at the bottom of the sea, from there I will command the serpent, and it shall bite them. The coming day of the Lord will bring both judgment and salvation. Edom will drink God's cup of wrath while the fortunes of God's people will be restored.
Friday, April 26. From his book, The Prophets, by Abraham J. Herschel, pages 32 and 33, we read, From the beginnings of Israelite religion, the belief that God had chosen this particular people to carry out his mission has been both a cornerstone of Hebrew faith and a refuge in moments of distress. And yet, the prophets felt that to many of their contemporaries, this cornerstone was a stumbling block, this refuge an escape. They had to remind the people that chosenness must not be mistaken as divine favoritism or immunity from chastisement, but, on the contrary, that it meant being more seriously exposed to divine judgment and chastisement. Does chosenness mean that God is exclusively concerned with Israel? Does the exodus from Egypt imply that God is involved only in the history of Israel and is totally oblivious of the fate of other nations? Ellen White writes in Patriarchs and Prophets, page 282, With the defences of the soul broken down, the misguided worshippers had no barrier against sin and yielded themselves to the evil passions of the human heart. Against the marked oppression, the flagrant injustice, the unwanted luxury and extravagance, the shameless feasting and drunkenness, the gross licentiousness and debauchery of their age, the prophets lifted their voices, but... In vain were their protests, in vain their denunciation of sin. Him that rebuketh in the gate, declared Amos, they hate, and they abhor him that speaketh uprightly. They afflict the just, they take a bribe, and they turn aside the poor in the gate from their right. Amos five, ten, and 12. And that brings us to our two long discussion questions for this week. One. It is easy to be friendly with someone who has something to offer you. What about those who are in distress and have nothing to offer you, but, in fact, have need of what you can give to them? What kind of attitude must we show toward such people? What kind of attitude do you show toward them? Two, think about that which we have been given as Seventh-day Adventists. Most Christians have no idea of the blessings of the Sabbath, much less its end-time importance. Most think that the dead go either immediately to heaven or to the torments of hell. Many do not believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus, nor do they believe in a literal second coming. What other great truths have we been given that most other people do not know about? What responsibilities come with having these truths? Inside Story, our mission story for this week, is a continuation of Light in the Jungle. This is part two. Juan had found Christ and discovered the Sabbath while reading the Bible in his jungle home in southeastern Ecuador. God then led him on a quest to a city several days' journey away, where he met Seventh-day Adventists and asked to be baptized. But when the pastor asked him to stay in the city, Juan refused. I must return home and tell my family and fellow villagers, he said. The pastor gave him bus fare to return home. We have a God who loves us and wants to meet with him on his Sabbath, he told his family and friends. 
He has many things to teach us. At first, people listened to Wan's message, but little by little, some began to accept what Wan said. Wan realized that he needed help to teach his people. He made the long journey back to the city of Mbato to invite the pastor to visit his village and help teach the people. The pastor agreed to go, and the two men flew to an airport in the rainforest. From there they met villagers who helped carry their equipment through the mosquito-infested jungles and across several rivers in oppressive heat. The pastor taught them Bible truths and led seminars in health, marriage and family life. Juan had prepared the people well and by the end of the week, 15 people were ready to be baptised. After the pastor returned to Umbato, Juan continued sharing God's word in surrounding villages. Five months later, the pastor returned for another week of seminars and baptised 18 more people. The villagers had built a large church of thatch and wood that was filled with worshippers on Sabbath. Adra sponsored a literacy program to teach the people to read so they could read the Bible for themselves. Members of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Embato conducted a large health ministry and vacation Bible school program, and more people were baptised. Four years later, more than 135 people in Wan's jungle home have given their lives to God and been baptised into the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Some of the new believers help Wan spread God's message to those in other villages who are waiting to hear. Today, simple chapels stand in several of these villages. Wan thanks God for leading him to the Seventh-day Adventist Church and helping him share the gospel message with others. Your mission offerings help support Juan as he works among the indigenous people of southeastern Ecuador. A recent 13th Sabbath offering helped expand the Adventist radio network in Ecuador, making God's message available to thousands who might not otherwise hear it. This podcast of the Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide has been read by Dr. Percy Harold in the studios of Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired in Queensland, Australia. It's brought to you by the Sabbath School Department, the Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, and through the services of Adventist Media Network. Remember, God is still faithful.